Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. In this uh, beginning of the year 2020, we have been uh, looking at this theme called a growth. Growth which is from the Lord. Colossians chapter 2 and we have been looking at verse 19. Colossians 2 and verse 19. Growth that is from the Lord. And I believe in 2020, God really, really wants his church to be a strong church. He wants his church to really know him and walk with him and grow in him. And a church that grows in the Lord will do mighty exploits for God. First Peter chapter 2 verse 2 says, Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. Our God is a God who desires for us to grow. Like any parent looks at their child and wants their child to grow and, you, and you're amazed at the wonderful way the child is growing. In the same manner, God of heaven wants to look at you and God wants to say, wow, how wonderful it is that this child of mine is growing. Growth is a sign of, of, of intent. Growth is a sign of a positive change that is coming in somebody's life as a result of a purposeful intent. When somebody takes food, somebody nourishes themselves, somebody, someone does exercise, they are intending to grow. So in the same way we see here that we saw in Colossians 2.19 that there, are, there is a growth which comes from God. There is a growth which comes from God. There's a growth which is not of God. There's a kind of growth when we uh, an ambitious, self-centered, uh, you know, when everything is about me. That kind of growth is not from God. But there is a growth that comes from God, which is the will of God. And a lot of Christians miss out on understanding that it is God's desire for you and me to grow. Because when we grow, we see the fullness of the plans of God fulfilled upon our lives when we grow. So let's look at this. What kind of growth does God want? Second Peter chapter 2 verse 2. Bible says, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of God's word. If you really desire to grow, we saw last week, Lot didn't get a lot. We saw how he went after so many things of the world and how Abraham pursued looking unto God. Abraham stayed focused. And at the end of their life, Lot had nothing. His grandchildren and his children, both were the same because they were born out of incest. He had so much in the eyes of the world, but finally he had nothing. But this, today I want to look at Someone who had so little in the eyes of the world, but for the last 2,000 years, has left humanity a transformed lot. That's Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says that, that he had no beauty that we should desire him. He had nothing that we should consider him. So many people are trying to brand their beauty or promote their intelligence or let everybody know that we are better than you. We know so much. And the Bible says Jesus had nothing. He had nothing and yet he left the world a transformed place. Yet he, Pilate looked at him and said, are you a king? And he said, it is as you say. On his, on his cross was put the king of the Jews. That was his accusation. 
for which he was crucified. And he transformed your life and my life. He brings us to a place of salvation, a place of loving God, a place of humility, a place of knowing God. And God is saying, if once you have come to this salvation through Jesus Christ, God, like any parent, desires for you and me to grow. He desires for you and me not to be where we were when we came, not to be as we were when we began. But it says like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by which you may grow in respect to your salvation. One of the ways God causes growth in our life is by us longing for the word of God. The Bible says the word of God, consuming the word is like consuming the pure milk, like a baby longs for milk. You know, when a baby longs for milk, he, he you know, begins to cry out if he doesn't get that milk. He says, I need this milk. I, I'm desperate for this milk. I got born again. When I got born again, I begin to read the word of God. Something about the word of God took a hold of my life. I begin to read the word and meditate the word. And I understood that what I am meditating upon, thinking upon, is going to transform the way I live. What I, what I spend time meditating on, and I've seen there are so many, many Christians or leaders who have a gift, who have a ministry, but have unchanged lives. And God wants us to have a life that is changed. He, what does he want to change us into? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. God wants us to what? I can't hear you. God wants us to what? He's asking you, I want you to grow up. I want you to grow up in how many aspects? Now, some people say, well, I know, Pastor, it's easy for you to preach, but I'm not Jesus. So some areas are okay, I can understand. But other areas, no, no, no. I don't think I'm going to be like Jesus. Jesus says that he wants us to grow up in how many aspects? All aspects. Why? Because he's the head and we are the body. Because he and we are connected. Because he and we belong to the same body. He's the head of the body. We are the body. And that's why the Bible is saying, he the head wants us to grow up in all aspects unto the head. Now the problem is, many parts of the body do not want to grow. Because they feel they're living in this world. They're thinking, when I go to heaven, I will grow. I want you to know God's call for growth is while you are here on earth. Because your growth here on earth is going to affect your eternity. It is important for us to grow here on earth. It's important for us to become Christ-like. It says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him. Which means if Jesus is kind, he wants us to be kind. If Jesus is forgiving, he wants us to be forgiving. If Jesus is humble and gentle, Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If God, Jesus is gentle and humble, he wants us to be gentle and humble. If Jesus don't nag, he don't want us to nag. Most <laughs> are gentle and humble. Some of the sisters are smiling at their husbands. God, every aspect. Some of the brothers are looking at their wives and say, did you hear what pastor said? No, it has nothing to do with sister and brother. It has to do with spirit and flesh. God wants us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And he wants to bring alive 
the deeds of the spirit in our life. So when we grow, the standard for our growth is Jesus Christ. That God would want others to look at you and me. And God would want others to look at us and say, I see Jesus. God wants us to, to say, I see Jesus in this person. And, and you know, people to walk up to you and say, you know, from the time you walk, came into, into the faith to today, I've seen you grow. A lot of people have seen you know, but have they seen you grow? Many people equate knowing the Bible, knowing things from the Bible, knowing so much about the scriptures equal to growth. Knowing is not growing because the lot of things we know that we have not grown into. How, what's the difference between knowing and growing? The application is the difference. That's why every time we read the word of God, we need to desire. How did Jesus begin to grow? What did Jesus do for growth? You know, we know so little from the Bible about Jesus' early years. But the Bible has given us enough for us to know about Jesus, about his early years, how he grew, how he knew. The Bible, let's look to the book of Luke. And I want us to look at verse 40 onwards. Luke's gospel, chapter 2. Luke's gospel, chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 40 onwards. Verse 40 to 52 begins to show us, tell us, explain to us about the life of Jesus Christ, about his early years, how he grew, how he, how he became strong in the Lord. The Bible says in Luke 2, 40, it says like this, the child, what? Continued to grow. This storyline is straight after Jesus in the temple, after he was dedicated in the temple. Verse 39, they finish the storyline of Jesus dedicated to the temple and the parents go back to Nazareth. But in verse 40, after that he says, now the child continued to grow. Hallelujah. Which means Jesus was set on growth. Jesus was set on committed to grow. He continued to grow and become strong. What was it about Jesus? There were certain things about Jesus. He's saying, like I grew, I want you to grow. Like I became strong, I want you to be strong. A lot of people think, oh, oh that, that pastor is strong or that leader is strong. And so it's good to be in that church. No, God wants you to be strong because you, as the head of your home, are going to lead your own family. So it's important for every one of us to be strong. Can you say that? Strong. Say, continue to grow. The Bible says Jesus did not arrest his growth. He didn't stop at his growth. He continued to grow and he became strong. He became strong. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. For those that know their God shall be strong and they will do what? Mighty or great exploits for God. The secret of being used for God is to begin to know God in a way that you've not known him. Is to begin to walk with God in a way you have never walked. Is begin to love God in a way that you have never loved God. They that know their God shall be strong. The difference between the strong ones and the weak ones is that the strong ones, they don't just know about their God, they know their God. Knowing about God doesn't transform you. There are atheists that know about God. There are atheists that have studied in Bible school. 
come out of Bible school and they have studied the, the, the criticisms of the Bible and, and agreeing and disagreeing with some portion. They say, I know I read this, but I don't believe in that. I've heard that more. I don't believe in that. Why? Because they do not understand that only a born again Christian whose spirit has come alive begins to know God. I can know about our president or about our prime minister, but their families, the ones that care about them, they know them. There is an intimacy in knowing them. There is an intimacy in knowing God that people who know about God don't understand. That is why before we got saved, we heard about God and it was all knowledge and we knew, you know, we, we just thought we knew. But the day we got born again, something began to change inside our heart. There was a longing, there was a, there was a heart pulling, there was a tugging of our heart that God wants us. Jesus became strong, which means in his growing up years, between the temple. This is, what is this time frame? Look at the time frame. Luke 2.42 is set between the, the, the dedication of the temple and the age of 12. Many people say, we don't know anything about his childhood years. I want to tell you, we know a lot about his childhood years. What happened between his birth and the age of 12? He grew continually. And he became strong. He didn't live a, you know, I don't know. Mommy, he took my chocolate. Mommy, I'm so upset with him. No, he, 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 he became strong. He became strong. Can you say that? Strong. That's the will of God, that you and I become strong, like he became strong. He continued to grow and became strong. And then the Bible says, this is between his birth and the age of 12. What happens between his birth and the age of 12? The Bible says, in that period, between 0 to 12, the Bible says, he increased in wisdom. Can a young child have wisdom? Absolutely. You don't have to be 50 to have wisdom. You know what the Bible says about wisdom? I want you to throw up Psalm 119. Look at verse 98, 99, and 100. You don't have to be 100 years old to have a wisdom. You, the, the word of God inside of your heart will put tremendous wisdom inside of you. You open your mouth as a little child, you will speak the wisdom of God. Look what it says in Psalm 119, verse 98 onwards. Your commandments, come on, read that together if you can. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies for they are ever mine wisdom greater than our enemies 99 i have more insight than whom wait a minute i thought my teachers are supposed to have more insight than me but the moment the word of god gets inside of your heart god begins to give you more insight than even your teachers amen some of you are feeling smug about it already <laughs> Come on, did, did, did you see that inside in me more than my teachers? Now, verse, look at 100. I understand more than the age, which means the word of God inside my heart. Oh, this is not because you're a smart kid. These scriptures, 99, 98, 99, 100, are saying the entrance of his word inside of your heart does something inside you. It puts more wisdom than your enemies, more understanding than the teachers, and, and more, more knowledge, uh, you know, knowledge, 99, what is it? More than the teachers? More? Insight than the teachers, and verse 100 says more understanding than all my elders. It does these three things for you. Wisdom, insight, and understanding. It's the entrance of his word. You don't have to wait to be 100 to have the wisdom of God. Became strong. 
and begin to carry the wisdom of God. Back to Luke 2 and verse 40. The Bible says, it says that he became strong and increased in wisdom. Increased in wisdom. Now, many times the people don't understand that there are two different kinds of wisdom. One is called worldly wisdom. And one is called the wisdom which is from above. Because I have a lot of worldly exposure, I am tempted to think that I have a lot of wisdom. When you and I, the, the, what we call the wisdom of the years, sometimes the wisdom of the years is great blessing. And some other times the wisdom of the years is a hindrance to obey the voice of God. That is why more than the wisdom of the years, what we need is the wisdom which is from above. Hallelujah. More than the wisdom of the years. Wisdom of the years is great. It tells you be careful. It tells you don't get offended. It tells you don't get into that thing. That's great. But wisdom from above. You, you know, wisdom from above. Wisdom of the years always tries to protect you. Wisdom from above can get you in trouble. I'll tell you how. The Bible says Jesus, because he was full of the wisdom of God, that day before the cross, he said, Father, if it is possible, take this cup of suffering away from me, but not my will, your will be done. That was the wisdom from above. If he went by wisdom of the years, you and I would be going straight to hell. We'd have no salvation if he went only by the wisdom of the years. Many of us want to protect ourselves. We are self-preservative. We want to see what is to my benefit. What decision can I take to my benefit? How can I get myself blessed? And the Bible says he continued to grow. How did he grow? He became strong and he increased in wisdom. Which time? Between the time he was born and 12. And I really want the young people to know in all your getting, get wisdom. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God will protect you. The wisdom of God will lead you. The wisdom of God will make you secure among your friends. Many of your friends will want to put peer pressure on you. They'll tell you, you know what, if you're really smart, then you need to do what we're saying or you need to behave like us. And the wisdom of the years will tell you, don't fall for that. The wisdom of the years will tell you, I am loved, I am accepted in the beloved. That I have more wisdom than even my teachers, amen, because of his word in my heart. Hallelujah. This is what God wants to do. But the Bible says, when you think about wisdom, the Bible says there's this worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. James in chapter 3, verse 13 through 17, quickly touches on these two kinds of wisdom. The Bible says, that who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. The sign of a wise man is not the great pearls you throw out from your mouth. Because that's what people consider wisdom, things you say. The sign of a wise man, the Bible says, is good behavior. Oh, come on. That was a great place to say, praise the Lord. The sign of a wise man. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show it. That means the manifestation of your wisdom is not by the great things you and I throw out of our mouth. The manifestation of the wisdom is how that wisdom has made me a different person. 
Let him show it by his good behavior, his deeds, in gentleness of wisdom. Wisdom makes us a gentle person. The Bible says, a man who is angry. Now I'm sure we don't have angry people in this church. A man who is angry, who is losing his temper all the time. You know what the image the Bible gives about such a man? is like a city whose walls are torn down. Which means any fox, any lion, any you know, wild animal can come in through that wall and can take your city down. Because you and I, if we don't have control over our anger, the Bible says gentleness of wisdom, you know, that begins to become makers of fortified people. It begins to set us around. The wisdom which is, brings about a gentleness. Verse 14, the Bible says, it says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, what is, what is the contra to wisdom? Wisdom does not allow bitter jealousy and ambition, selfish ambition. Wisdom tells me, don't be ambitious to become greater than somebody. To know more than somebody. To show everybody I know somebody. The Bible calls that the lack of wisdom. What does wisdom do? Wisdom tells me that I am what I am by the grace of God. Wisdom tells me to be satisfied in the identity that I'm a child of God. Wisdom tells me that, that you are fearfully... And what? How are you made? I didn't hear you. How are you made? Wonderfully made. You have to know. Wisdom tells you you are wonderful. Wisdom tells you you don't have to prove to anybody. Because if God made you, it cannot be anything but wonderful. Amen. He says, so if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant. And so lie against the truth. But verse 15 says, the this wisdom is not that which comes from above, but it is earthy, it is natural or carnal, and it is demonic. The wisdom from earth, the Bible calls natural, carnal, or demonic. So not every wisdom that we learned, we claim to have, we know, which we have got from people around, is from God. You can be spirit-filled, but filled with another wisdom. Because the Bible says in verse 16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. So when the wisdom from God comes, this is a sign. Listen, this is a sign. All of us husbands, look at me with a clear look. This is a sign of wisdom. And your wives, of course. Follow them as they follow Christ. The sign of wisdom, the Bible says, is that if there is wisdom in our life, there will not be selfish ambition and all kinds of jealousy because if that is there, there is a disorder. And every evil thing. If there is disorder in the church, there is no wisdom of God in that church. If there is disorder in leadership, there is no wisdom of God in leadership. If there is disorder in the family, uh, some of you when I said church leadership, said, preach it pastor. Now I'm coming to you. If there's disorder in the family and husbands, you're the head of the home. You need wisdom from God in the family. Because wherever there's disorder, only God's wisdom can bring godly order. Now some of you say, well, praise God, pastor, I don't have a family. I'm single. Well, there's, if there's disorder inside of you, 
<laughs> gotcha. If there's disorder inside of you, there's no godly order. If, why? Because there is no wisdom of God. You can be filled with earthly wisdom and you'll be full of disorder. But the moment the wisdom of God comes on you, you begin to have a growth inside of you first. Godly order comes inside of you. The sign of wisdom, God begins to bring about a godly order. And the Bible says, and Jesus grew, what he continued to grow, and he became strong, and he became what? Full of wisdom. And the Bible says, and the grace of God was on him. So this is what happened between 0 to 12. That is a detailed picture of that time. He's got it. He's strong, continued to grow, become strong. But I want to tell you, now they say you don't have much about his life till the age of 30. Let me tell you some things about his life till the age of 30. Because it's all there in this portion if we could just read it carefully. Let's look at the next verse. Luke 2 and verse 41. The Bible talks about that how he grew in the grace of God and the power of God was on him. What happened? And all this is about his childhood years. It's not talking about... This is not talking about River Jordan after the baptism of Jesus when the Holy Ghost came on him. This is talking about before he, he, he was anointed for the mission. This was talking about his preparation for that mission. So in his preparation to the mission, what? He was strong. He had wisdom. He had what? Grace from God. Now let's continue looking. In verse 41, the Bible says, verse 41 to, to 52 it's the story of, you know the story, Jesus with his parents, they went to Jerusalem, right? And then what happened at Jerusalem? He gets lost, his parents don't know where he is, they come looking for him, there's a crying scene, and then he goes home with them, right? That's, that's what we know about that picture, right? Now let's look at the portion. The Bible says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 41, straight after 40, because in, these, in verse 40, Luke 2, 40, God packed 12 years of Storyline into Luke 240. In Luke 2.41 onwards, Jesus begins to pack a few more things from Luke 241 onwards. And let's look look at what he says. It says in verse 41, now his parents went up to Jerusalem every year. So that tells us about the childhood that he grew up with. He had a family, he had a parent that begin to have a regular practice of the presence of God. He had parents who year after year, after year, after year, they begin, he grew up under parents that practiced the presence of God. And that is why it is so important for you and me as parents, as fathers, as mothers, as pastors, as leaders, God wants you and me to create a pattern in the home that our children can grow up in the wisdom of God. There's got to be certain patterns in our home. The Bible says his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover. Now the feast of the Passover, according to the Bible, the book of Leviticus says, the feast of the Passover is supposed to be celebrated in Jerusalem. And every year, as per the timetable, there was a... Which means both Joseph and Mary begin to fit into their home a system by which every year they begin to practice. They begin to go every year. So if you really want your children to know God, to grow in the Lord, to walk with God, to love God, they have to grow up in a disciplined system. And you might wonder, you know, so where was Joseph when Jesus was young? We don't, I want you to know 
Joseph and Mary for 12 years of their life built a disciplined system for Jesus. They took him to the house of God. So many people today, we don't have family prayer or we don't have prayer at home. Why? Well, we think that, oh, this is not needed. Obviously, it's so busy. Or we got this great job. I want you to know you got a great job with no customs set into the home. Another generation is growing to grow up, raised by the enemy of our king. The Bible says that they, they went for, to Jerusalem year after year. Say that, year after year. So there was a year-by-year practice. Now, what did he do? Verse 42. It says, and when he became 12, when he became 12, they went there according to the custom of the feast. When he became 12, what did Jesus do? His pursuit of God did not start when he was 30. His pursuit of God did not start when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, when he was 12, They went up there according to the custom. Year after year, they were going up. But when he was 12, they went up there according to the custom. Jesus went with his parents according to their manner of life, according to their practice, according to the scriptures, which means he started his walk with God very young. To grow to a Christ-likeness, we have to start our own walk with God very young. You don't have to wait till you're 80 because by then your years would have gone. Some people say, uh, you know what, we must follow Jesus when we are older. No, you need to follow, know your creator in the days of your youth. Then your latter years will begin to make sense. So Jesus, we see about his childhood, he started very young. What else did he do? The Bible says, according to the custom of the feast, which means Jesus kept the custom of the family, that they followed their father in heaven, and they followed the Jewish traditions, and they followed the ways of God. Jesus fell in line with what he was being taught by his parents. There's a heart to fall in line. There's a heart to want to obey God. Then the Bible says in verse 43, it says, as they were returning, after spending... How many days? A full number of days. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. So what did Jesus and his parents do? They went to Jerusalem, and the Bible says they spent a full number of days. They didn't cut short their festivals. They didn't cut short what belonged to God. They gave the full number of days to what belonged to God. That's why Jesus looked at them and said, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But give to God what is God's. You know that, right? What, what, they, wanted to, they wanted to catch him. They wanted to trap him. They said, is it right to pay taxes? Jesus said, all right, bring me a denarii. And they said, whose image is on this? They said, well, this is the image of Caesar. He said, well, if this is Caesar's image, give it to him. And then he adds on, give to God what is? You know what he meant? He said, that is Caesar's image. Give that to God. You are God's image. Give that to God. Give Caesar's image to Caesar. Give God's image. We are in the image of God. He said, give your money to Caesar. Give your entire life to God. That's the wisdom of God that happens. He begins to, from that time, as they were returning, they spend their full number of days. So many people, especially before the examination, parents tell their children, don't come to church. Oh, don't go to church. You got to sit and study. Tomorrow your future is decided. I want you to know their future was decided whether you taught them wisdom from the word or not. That was when their future was decided. Amen. Because this wisdom of God makes us wiser than our enemies. 
gives us more insight than our teachers and more understanding than our elders. The day you decided to put the wisdom of God in their heart, that day you decided their future. Whether you shared the word of God to them, you taught them the ways of God. Because even if one chance is lost, God is a God of many chances. Amen. He that looked to the Lord are never put to shame, the Bible says. So if we can teach our children to look to him, if we can raise our people to walk in the ways of God. The Bible says, as they were returning after spending many days. It says, suddenly, the next verse says, it says, but supposed to be in the caravan. They thought it was in the caravan and went a day's journey and they began looking for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. And, and we expect that our generations should be like our relatives, like our acquaintances, hanging out with them, learning from them, all of that. Jesus at 12 decided, enough of relatives and acquaintances, it's time for me to learn from the house of God. Amen. Amen. When I was growing up, some of my relatives would tell me, look at that relative in Bangalore, he's got three houses. There, in, there he's got two houses. Big car, they say, you must be like him. Wait a minute. Because he's got that and this, I must be like him. So, there comes a point in your life where you have an appointment with God. Amen. Age 12 was his moment with God. Something happens, you know that this is the moment of my life. It is not that I want to be like my relatives and my acquaintances. They were looking for him among them. They thought they'll be playing among his people. But they suddenly found out he wasn't there. Where did they find him? After three days, where did they find him? They found him in the temple, the Bible says in verse 46. They found him in the temple in Jerusalem after three days. What? Sitting in the midst of teachers. <laughs> he, was, he made himself comfortable. Sitting in the midst of teachers. Both listening to them. And asking them questions. He was sitting right in the midst of the people who the Bible says sat on the seat of Moses. Because he was born into the Jewish tradition. He wanted to talk with the leaders of those traditions. He wanted to, the Bible says, and he was both what? Listening to them and asking them questions. He was listening to them. And asking them questions. So what was he doing? You know, many of us, when we come to a place, we know little about this here, little there, two verses there, two verses here. And suddenly we want to preach. Because we got the gift of the gab. Not transformed, a little bit of knowledge, and we feel the Holy Ghost has come upon me. Now, there's nothing wrong in preaching. But the question is, has God prepared you? Has God transformed you? What did Jesus do? This, this tells you about his nature. What? He sat with the teachers... And what? He was what? He was first listening. Now you might think, wait, he's the son of God. He should first be telling them. But Jesus made no such requirement. Even though he knew more than those Pharisees or Sadducees, the Bible says he sat down and he listened to them. That's, a, that's, a, that's an ability of a child of God who understands the will of God. That before we have to go out and blurt the little we know, that we will train ourselves. Tell yourself, train. We will train ourselves to what? To listen. Oh, if you'd only train yourself to listen, how our marriages would have changed. How our homes would have changed. We've trained ourselves to talk. We've trained ourselves to tell everybody different things about. He says he was both listening 
and asking. There was a keen desire. There's so much about Jesus packed into these verses. There was a keen desire both to listen and to learn. And then the Bible says, listen, look at the next verse. Look at verse 47. And all, come on, help me. All who heard him were amazed. Now listen, the Bible says, he listened and he asked. And the Bible says, when they heard him, they were blown. Some of us, we blow them even before we ask or listen. <laughs> They're just blown out. I mean, they were blown at his wisdom. Some of them, some, some people are blown at our foolishness. You know, how, how, I mean, some of the people who listen say, I know people can be foolish, but this is, this is another level. I haven't come across this kind of foolishness. This is when he, Jesus had the answers. He listened and asked, listened and asked, listened and asked. And a time came after listening and asking when there was nothing more to listen and ask. He gave them an answer. And the moment they heard the answer, they said, whoa, how old did you say you were? Twelve. And the Pharisees looking at each other, scrubbing their beard. How did this guy get this kind of wisdom? How is it that little boy, I want to tell you young children, if you will plug yourself into the presence of God, God will give you greater wisdom from his word than your teachers, than your elders and than your enemies. There's going to be a, year, a wisdom beyond your years. They will look at you and they ask you, where did you get all this? And you can tell them, I've been in the presence of God. Amen. That's what they asked Elijah. Elijah comes before King Ahab. His introduction, he doesn't say, I'm the great prophet of Israel, 34th from that level, coming from this talk, from that talk. Elijah comes before Ahab and says, I am Elijah and I come from the presence of God. Amen. You don't have to be 30 to start there. You can start there right now. Amen. You, your address can be from the presence of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and, and listening and asking, they were amazed. He had the answers. And then the Bible says, while this amazement is going on, his parents show up. And his parents, suddenly now there's a family scene over there. Mohane, where were you? What happened? You, you, why did you do this to me? Where were you? What, what are you? What's going on? What were you doing? And they asked, and when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. His, his parents were anxious about him. And look at the next verse, what he says. He, he, they, they, there, were, there were some pursuits that he did in such a way that his parents... Parents finally knew after three days where to find him. Amen. They didn't have GPS tracking those days. After three days, looking all around, they say, hey, wait a minute. This is our boy, right? Yeah, the one born of the Holy Ghost. Maybe he's in the temple. We've been looking for him in the playgrounds. Maybe he's in, may, wait a minute. We should think like what God spoke to us. They went to the temple. They were astonished. They found him. And Mary says, you know, you've been anxious. I want you to know Joseph was silent, okay, just for a the record <laughs> where were you oh have you been anxious and all of that and then Jesus said to them <laughs> Jesus said why is it that you're looking for me what, what exactly are you looking for me why there has to be something and then he says he says to them he says did you not know that I had to be in my father's house you see 
they didn't understand the pursuit of a man who was going after the things of God. They thought they'll be in the playing fields or among the, among the, you know, the kids' parks or at age 12 playing football. Here's this little boy, age 12, pursuing God. He's, he's talking wisdom. And then he, and, and, and he had a persuasion. Did you not know that I, you know what he says? Did you not know what? I love this. He says, did you not know I had to be in my father's house? I what? He's saying there was something inside of me. It's not that, it's not that somebody gave me an idea. There was from my young days, Jesus was saying, that you know and I know there's something in me. And how many of you know that something inside of you that's been pulling you to the house of God? There's something inside of you. You're a little boy that, you know, I remember as a little kid, long before I was saved, I would walk into the church that I used to be part of. I wasn't born again. I didn't understand anything. But sometimes I'll walk in and I'm not lying. The Lord is my witness. I would look in the church and I would see like a presence of God. Now I know it's the presence of God because I'm familiar with the things of the Spirit. But I was 8, 10, 12 at that time and I would see a presence of God. Not knowing it was the presence of God. There was, a, there was something inside of us that was telling us, I, this is where I belong. This is where I belong. This is where I'm assigned for. This is my home. And he goes on to say, well, you know, Mary looks at him and says, don't, don't you, aren't you concerned that, that your father and I are concerned about you? He looks at her and says, why were you concerned? Because don't you know that I was in my father's house? Mary said, don't you know your father and I are worried? He looks at her and says, why are you worried? Don't you know I was in my father's house? You know what Jesus was saying? I just came home. This is my father's house. This is where I belong. This is where God has plans for me. This is where my entire destiny is beginning to make sense. Amen. This is where, uh, this is where I begin to talk with these people and get information because lives of any eternity of people are going to be changed by what I'm doing here. Don't you know I had to be, I had to be in my father's house. He had a strong relationship with his father. He had a deep persuasion about this and he knew, he made no mistake that Joseph may have been an earthly father. But he made no mistake that he was here for his heavenly father's business. Hallelujah. In my father's house. Others didn't understand his growth. But for Jesus, it was okay to be understood, misunderstood. He spent his early years focusing on his mission. Did you not know? Did you not know? He knew at age 12. He knew that this is a moment of appointment with God. And I want to tell people here that there are moments of appointment with heaven in your life. Don't miss that moment because you're spending so much time with your relatives and your acquaintances. Don't miss that moment because you're spending so much time with your career and your jobs, which is all great, which is all good. But when the moment of appointment comes, when he was 12, the Bible says he went, he went from home to home. I don't think you got that. He went from home to to home. He went there and he said, I'm right now, I'm feeling at home here. This is where I belong. What do you know about his childhood? He was longing for the father's house. 
He was longing to be in the father's house. He was longing to know the things from the father's house. And he understood. He said, what are you so surprised about? This is age 12. Until age 11, everything went as usual. But at age 12, something changed. What is that? There was a, 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 an apprenticeship that is beginning in Jesus' life. Are you listening to me? From the age of 12, many, many of the, the Jewish kids begin to be apprenticed, begin to be trained, begin to be, you know, to be taught the ways of the house. At age 12, when he went up there, he began his apprenticeship asking questions, listening. And they asked him, why are you here? He said, because it is time. You have to know the times. When you grow in the Lord, you have to understand your times and seasons. You don't give your best years of your life away to the enemy. You give the every year in its season to God to fulfill the call of God upon your life and generation. Amen. You give your best to God. He understood his appointed time. And then the Bible says, verse 51, And he went down with them, and he came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. Jesus was willing to submit to earthly authority. What did he do in those years? He trained himself to submit to authority. He was in his father's house. His parents said, we are upset. He said, okay, let's go home. And he went with them because he knew that age 30 is coming. He also knew year after year that they're going to go back to Jerusalem because they're going to go back for the feast and he's going to go there. And year after year, I believe he would have gone back, prepared more so that the next Jerusalem meeting with the Pharisees would be another level. Amen. He was conscious. He kept preparing. He submitted to authority. And then the Bible says that he gave things for his parents to treasure about him. He went about them, Nazareth. He continued subjecting and the mother treasured these things in the heart. People of God, children, especially that are growing up. As you're growing up, give your parents things that they will treasure in their heart about you. That they will look at you and say, you know what? This is wonderful. This is beautiful. Let them look at you and they look at you and let them say, you make us proud. Give them reason to treasure, subject to them, learn from them. And parents, you know what that means? It means you better show them the ways of God. If not, you're going to give account for subjecting them to the things that are not the will of God. Are you listening to me? We, that, that, it, it draws, it calls on our heart to, to draw out the best. The Bible says, finally, in verse 52, what was the end of this 40 to 52 storyline of Jesus. What was the end? And Jesus kept increasing. Amen. This is the storyline between 12 to 30. We looked at between 0 to 12. Now this is the storyline between 12 to 30. What? And Jesus what? What? He? So if you're between 12 to 30, you know what to do. Jesus is saying, the Bible says, and Jesus kept increasing in what? In wisdom and what? And stature, which means when Jesus stood up, everybody took notice. When Jesus said something, everybody listened. You know, in our team, many times in our team meetings, you know, with the leaders, we'll discuss something. But this is one particular leader who's usually quiet. And when this leader is usually quiet, and some other leaders who can't stop, they've, they've got to go on. They've got to tell everything they know before Jesus returns. And so this, this is one leader who's quiet. And I've, I've, it always intrigues me in these meetings. I'll be sitting and listening, one, one shares, another shares, another shares. And this one leader will be sitting back like this. And I'm often interested to know what he has to say. But because of 
the wisdom of God prevails. I allow everybody to speak until. Until we reach there and I tell this leader, I said, how about you? And the person will sit like this. And then he finally says something. When he says something, it's wisdom. The wisdom is not in the multitude of words. The wisdom is knowing the heart of God. Wisdom is not in the information. The wisdom is in the application of the heart of God. And Jesus, what? Kept increasing. What does God want from you in your life of growth? Keep increasing. Everywhere you go, keep increasing. Everything you're at, keep increasing. He kept increasing in what? In wisdom and in stature. Stature is what? It's the, it's the bigness of who you are. Stature actually means height. But the stature of the man is your manhood, the maturity. He increased in wisdom and he increased in maturity. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 says. Until we all attain to the stature of the manhood of Christ. He kept growing in maturity and he grew in favor before God and before men. A lot of people are growing before men. But what I want to ask you is, are you growing before God? Some people say, God's been so good to me. He's giving me promotion after promotion after promotion. My question is, are you having promotion in the sight of God? Does God look at you and say, this is my beloved son in whom I am? Well, please, that is growth. That's pursuit of mission. That we fulfill the call of God upon our life and generation. Can I hear an amen? amen. Every eye closed in the presence of God. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.